Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan presents Football at Four. Here's The Drive. Time to get off the field if you're the Broncos. Third down and eight. Out of the shotgun. Receiver slipped down. It's intercepted. Isan Bassi has it for the Broncos. And he'll bring it all. Fourth down and five. On the 21 of Arizona. Pressure comes up in there. Judy hangs on to that one. Touchdown, Denver Broncos. Oh, well, pretty good. Pretty good. They had the ball come out once, you know, on, on, on one run. But um, we'll see it on tape. We'll get a chance to correct it. That sucks. But uh, I was trying to just play positive highlights there, Matt Smith. I, I How many of those were there ah, from the play, game? There's good highlights. First and ten. Wow, it's going to be swallowed up. Back at the 45. Yeah. Elijah Garcia got home. That he had a good game, man. And that was a guy that Kyle and I had talked about on our Sunday show because, as we know, with Mike Purcell being on the NFI list and with Uazurike's suspension for the entire season – there's an opening on the defensive line, specifically at tackle, to step up. And Elijah Garcia's combination of speed and power that he flashed in camp, it showed up again on Friday night in a huge way. He had two sacks on the same drive. He had a quarterback hit, a tackle for loss. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who, who who's a bit of a gamble that I think is going to end up making this team? It's Elijah Garcia. I got another good one for you. And now Maher and Fly can sit down. First well, that's a great thing. From the four, touchdown, Jaleel McGoughlin. <laughs> McLaughlin. I think Steve Levy is great. It's not Steve Levy's fault that they misspelled McLaughlin's name on the back of his jersey. And you want to talk about a young man with a lot of composure when he was asked about it after the game. He just simply said, well, that is how it's pronounced. So it was just like. He seems like a super nice kid. I totally agree. I'm rooting for him. In fact, I, totally I was stunned that Tyler Beatty was the one who got carries after Samaje Pirine based upon what we'd seen in camp. I would be really surprised even further if that continued in San Francisco. I got a fun one for you guys. And uh, our guy KJ with us, too. So this is a fun one. This is a fun one. And Sean Payton spoke about it. And I'll get to the guy who's on the hot seat from everybody in a second, but... Sean Payton spoke about it again today. What would you do? It's a good little brain teaser for you out in your car, your app, your bike, your rollerblades, or whatever you're listening to. You got the ball on the three-yard line. There's, what, a minute 30 to go, something like that. If you take a knee twice, the other team is going to burn out their two timeouts, and you're going to take another knee and you're going to call a timeout, and you're going to burn 48 seconds, leaving about 50 seconds or so, and you're going to kick a field goal, leaving your opponent with no timeouts and kicking them the ball, and you're up three points. Or would you rather be up by seven points with a minute 31 to go, and the other team's got two timeouts? And Sean Payton, I thought Sean Payton was really great 
about breaking down the whole situation. And he goes, well, in that situation, with two timeouts, it's 48 seconds. So I'm like, okay, like he's thought this out. It's a 48-second series of plays if the other team has two timeouts. I know it's not rocket science, but it's good to have a coach that understands the specifics of the situation. I was about to say, you sound surprised that Sean Payton thought it out. Guess what? We have a chess master finally here in Denver. Exactly. So his chess now, it doesn't mean it's always going to work. But he basically said, I'd rather be up with a touchdown. The other team has timeouts and more time than just up by three. No timeouts, 50 seconds. What would you rather have? I would absolutely play it the same way because 50 seconds and no timeouts is still a lot of time. So if you're if you're trying to you know make your decision based upon you think the other team's going to get points, what's the big difference here? That's an eternity. 50 seconds is an eternity either way, right? And especially with the new kickoff rules, I think it's fascinating, DMAC, to see how it would have all played out had you gone the other way with it. But it's the preseason. I'd much rather you go to score because you're not as much as people were disappointed that they lost a preseason game, which... Remarkably, I heard some of that, and maybe it was just because they were so close, but I'd much rather get the extra rep where I'm finishing a a drive with a touchdown that I can take forward next week. KJ, what would you prefer, my man? I'm with Matt. The truth of the matter is you'd rather put yourself in position to win than put yourself in a position to where you could have won. Mm. And I think the Broncos have an offense and they have a a genius who has the ability to put them in position on both sides of the ball to be able to do both. Our analysis of Training Camp 2023 is presented by Great Range Premium Bison. We are three for three. I would rather have the touchdown, too, and defend that. So we're all kind of in agreement here. David Blau said after the game, yeah, they we you know let them score on purpose. That was the goal. And I understand where Arizona's coming from, too. Like, listen, it's preseason. I don't know if they would necessarily do that in regular season. But, hey, man, it's it's preseason, and it's better for us to work on something. I don't know if another team does that in the regular season, but you know what I love the most, guys? I love that Sean Payne thought about it, has been thinking about it, and is prepared for it the best he can, to the degree he even brought it up again today, and he brought it up after the game. <laughs> Matt, it's just another really good sign that you got somebody who is thinking like this. And that's my favorite thing about Sean Payton. I'm just watching him think the right way. A hundred percent. Like I said, for the first time in six, seven years of Broncos country, you've got a guy at the helm who's going to be poised in those moments. It didn't work out, but I still love how he was thinking about it. I would have played it the same way. I would have played it the same way. And again, you go back to the end of the first half when the Broncos rushed the field goal unit onto the field, it forced Jonathan Gannon's hand at calling yeah. a timeout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. did because Sean yes. Payton has been pounding he situational has. awareness and situational football yep. into these guys' minds. You are absolutely right. It, it, that looked bad on the Cardinals. And like when they were so yeah. disheveled, they had to call a, a timeout on a field. The Broncos would have been ready to go. And they had to call the timeout. Our analysis of Training Camp 2023, also presented by Lincoln Tech, put your potential to work. People are tearing him apart right now. He doesn't look great, man. His lateral movement is a struggle. Let's let's get to that in the offensive line. Plus, why does Prime have a beef with a muggle? Matt, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for the inside story with you. (laughs) Okay. Coming up. 
It's Training Camp 2023. Great Range Premium Bison presents The Drive. Sean Payton on the pass protection against the Cardinals. The assignments were fine. We just got leverage on a few plays and, and thin and, uh, and got hurried, you know, a few too many times. You know, we'll be able to clean that up. What are you seeing from uh, What are you seeing from Jonathan Harris? You know, a guy who banged around a little bit, but now is a chance to maybe lock down a regular starting position. Yeah, I mean, we've been encouraged, and we just keep improving. Um, you know, he's working his tail off, and uh, and I think all this all this work we're getting tomorrow will be in pads. We'll have nine on seven. You know, it'll be a physical practice. Um, that's you know the way we we got to practice football. I think. What did you see from Garrett Bowles, Matt Smith? He just does not look like he has full confidence yet in that ankle enough to really plant and drive on that thing. His first few steps are okay, but, man, his lateral movement is struggling right now. He just does not look like he's back to 100%, and hopefully over the course of the next month he can start to you know build some more trust back into it, but it's going to take a while, and maybe we shouldn't be that surprised because he's recovering from, oh, you know, a fractured leg. I've heard, you know, Mark Schlereth and other guys here, some of the uh, the the ex pros around here, really kind of take on bowls and just really question stuff. And then you look at Ben Powers and you're like, oh, mm. maybe he's not great at pass blocking either. And then you're you get nervous. You saw that stat from um, Warren Sharp. Warren yeah. Sharp. Why don't you uh, recap what that was all about? Two of the top three most pressured quarterbacks in week one of the preseason were Russell Wilson and Jarrett Stidham. That's a problem. Two of the top three. Russell Wilson on about, you know, 60% of his dropbacks saw pressure in Arizona on Friday night. And Jarrett Stidham, it was just over half. So you're constantly dealing with pressure in your face, forcing you to make quick decisions. And a lot of people, you know, I heard Dan kind of going off on Russ a little bit earlier, how he didn't like his completion percentage. But honestly, man, really, I did. Yeah, he, you know, he didn't like his completion percentage, seven of thirteen. You know, but that's damn. Well, but see, that's why I brought up. But it's insignificant, Dmac. That doesn't matter. Okay, but when you're talking about a low amount of, <laughs> that's so funny, Dan. Listen, what are you you're supposed to take marks off Russell Wilson because Jerry Judy like dropped a pass that he should have caught? Well, there's a situation here that has a lot of context to it, and to reduce it down to the fact that Russell completed 7 of 13 passes, it just doesn't tell the whole story of what's actually happening. Yeah, man. I, I Really, the issues that the Broncos had in that game, boy, I, James Merrillat, I'm hopping on the bandwagon, I guess, dude. I thought Russell Wilson was... He was solid. Yeah, man. I thought he was one of your least concerns. I absolutely agree with you. You know, the three and out sucks. A lot of teams have three and out just to get a rhythm going. It happens. It's the first drive of the year. Who cares? Yeah, man. Relax. No big deal. The first two drives really didn't bother me. And then I was so encouraged by what I saw in the third and the fourth drives because one of the things that we had been pounding the table for last year, DMAC, was offensive identity. And we started to see it formed in preseason week one. Hackett got fired on Christmas, and I still couldn't tell you what he was trying to do. Our analysis of Training Camp 2023 is presented by Great Range Premium Bison. Matt, you're at CU all the time. Mm. You're our man on the scene. Yeah. What is, and I, hey man, I'm following, sort of, but not in detail. Mm. What is the beef with Coach Prime and uh, Daily Camera? Yeah, Brian Brian Howell. Howell. What, what, (laughs) What is going on? That was an interesting moment. 
that was that that occurred at media day on Friday, and it was in reference to the night before. Uh, Brian added his comments and his opinion to Maddox Cop, who was a transfer into the Colorado program last year at quarterback. He played at Houston. Mm-hmm. Then he left the program in the spring when Prime got here. Okay, well, that makes sense. Maddox Cop could not play. Let's just make sure we all are in a understanding of the situation. I'll take your word for it. However, yeah. however. As an upperclassman, if you've already transferred once, mm. you may not right away be eligible because this is the fail-safe the NCAA has in place to prevent players from going from school to school in the spring until they find a spot that hits. I gotcha. Makes sense, but there should be an exemption to that, or exception rather, if the <laughs> – this is a weird one, but if the coach comes there and his own son – is is there too? Uh, I mean, come on. Well, I mean, here's the, the thing. NCAA has got to see past that. So, cop was not allowed to transfer. No, he transferred, but he isn't eligible this year, and he was upset because he's an upperclassman who has to sit out another season. I I see where he's coming from. I mean, listen, man, I had what choice did I have? The coach brought his kid. There's just there was no shot for me to play. Well, yeah, and for Maddox, there wouldn't have been a shot for him to play even if he didn't bring his I got game. it, but don't you think that's some extenuating story? All right, anyways, what's the story? Well, the, the, point, story? the point is, is you're, you're absolutely correct. I also think it's extremely hypocritical when a coach can move from place to place and the coach doesn't suffer any repercussions. But again, it's the NCAA's fail-safe so that players don't just start school hopping multiple times in the same year. It's These rules are convoluted and they're not regulated well. That's number one. So Brian made a comment about what Maddox said, and Maddox kind of released, and he was a little critical of Coach Prime, but Brian made a comment about the NCAA rules that potentially make upperclassmen ineligible if they transfer twice, okay? But Prime took it as a shot at him because there was a lot of people that started giving Brian, and Brian's a very good, very close friend of mine, and and I, I know with all certainty. When I saw the tweet the night before, I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, Brian's just talking about the NCAA. I am, I'm in complete agreement with Brian. I think mm-hmm. it's absolutely bogus that upperclassmen get penalized when the world of college football is the wild, wild west. Why did Prime think that was a shot at him? Because Maddox was a little critical of, of Prime, and Brian didn't necessarily do the best job of illustrating that it wasn't a commentary at all on Prime. It was about the NCAA. And some people gave some shots to Brian about it. Because there is this whole sect and uh, of Dion fans... And they are like Taylor's, they're like Swifties or, or the Bayhive. They, they come at you on Twitter and on social media. And there's a lot of these content creators on YouTube that just blow up these circumstances for, for clicks and for views. And, and Prime, before Brian even asked a question, wanted to make sure that he acknowledged that he saw, you know, what he perceived to he be a shot. And, he, and before Brian even asked a question, he said, hey, how, how'd you like a little controversy? <laughs> yeah, how'd you, okay. how did it feel to be? Okay. I, I like you guys to have to deal with what I deal with every now and again. Okay. So but it was a little adversarial. A little bit, yeah. 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 I, and by the way, I got Brian's back here. It was not a shot at Prime. And afterwards, Brian went up and tried to clear it up, tried to clear it up with him. How'd that go? Um, you know, I, I think it went as good as it could have gone. You know, Dion is uh, Dion is one of one, man. He is one of he one. He is one of one. He also took he also you know took offense to another question that was posed to him at the press conference. Someone said, "Well, obviously you guys are set with Shadur at quarterback." Yeah, right. In and of itself, of course, you're set with Shadur at quarterback. Yeah. He's your son. You already announced that he was the starter. And oh, by the way, he's far and away your best option. Okay. And Prime stopped the question. So the, here's how the exchange went. He goes, <laughs> he goes. 
obviously you guys are set with Shadour at quarterback. He goes, wait, 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 obviously. That sounds like, you know, you're telling me that I'm giving my son favorable treatment. Obviously, you got to package that differently, man. I, I mean, you go cut on the tape. It's obvious. and It's, it's pri- over. There was a bit of a message there, but Prime, you know, you got to know how to deal with Prime. Prime is not one. He is out of everyone I have covered in my career. He's definitely the toughest nut to crack. I think I've got it down. He gave me a good question. He said, great question. Great football question. I said, thanks, Coach. You know what? That makes sense, Matt, because this weekend on Instagram, he posted this clip of something he did a while back talking about nothing can shake my confidence. Nobody can okay. shake my confidence. All right. so now it all makes sense. So all that right. is, and, and I feel bad all for right. Brian because people are coming after Brian in a real way with some, Oh, they don't you know, need to do that. I mean, people, are, no it, it, I don't want to get into the specifics here because I really don't want to elevate it. But I think okay. the fact of the matter is you have a lot of new CU fans because Prime is here. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And they, they're not necessarily accustomed to the way that the older CU fans who have been here through the mud are used to doing things. But and so if CU loses it a was few a games, interesting is, day. We, is it going to be kind of interesting up there if uh, things don't go that great? It'll be fascinating to see Prime's demeanor if for some reason they're one and four out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll no, be I'm not interesting. rooting for that. Of course I am not. not. I am definitely, definitely not hoping for it. I, I, am, I am a fan from afar on this whole deal. I'm rooting for CU. I love Prime. I'm kind of enjoying other people sticking their noses in in stuff and seeing how that's going for everybody up there. And so I'm just laughing at it, and I don't really know all the gossip and details about I was it like ca- you do. you got to see some of these videos on YouTube. There was one where, are these local Colorado media sheep, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing? And I'm just wolves sitting, in sheep's clothing? I'm just sitting there laughing, and I'm just like, what are you talking about, I think about, the vast guy? majority of guys that cover, guys and gals that, that cover CU are just, you know, they want Stop some, it. They want success. They want things to go well. They're not there's, out, they're and not there's out not to many of us. There's not many yeah, of us. Yeah, I mean, what are we talking about? Like no. six or seven people? At the most. Plus, Romy show on Wednesday night? <laughs> right. At, 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 the, at, the, at the most. But what was really cool today Nobody's is, out to get Prime. I mean, nobody is out to get it. Everybody wants him to succeed. But what's interesting is Prime wants you to think that people are out to get him. Who? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I think part of it's the media. Yeah. I do. I, it's fascinating. But Terrell Owens is up there. And apparently he's up there all week yeah, helping at really practice, cool. which is awesome. Our analysis of Training Camp 2023 is presented by Lincoln Tech. Put your potential to work. All right, let's get to Russell Wilson, man. Let's get to Russell Wilson. Let's go. We'll do that next. It's training camp 2023. Lincoln Tech. Put your potential to work. Presents The Drive. Very superstitious. Wow, I almost had it. Playing it fast and loose with almost. Here we go. 18th offensive snap for the Broncos. Good pocket. Russ on the pump. And he's running. And throwing. And it's Judy who couldn't hang on. Ah, but give me a second. Fourth down and five. Well, the 21 of Arizona. Pressure comes up the middle. Judy hangs on to that one. Touchdown, Denver Broncos. If you just go through... The tape, and there's all sorts of people that break things down. Uh, I do like JT O'Sullivan, but there's there's others as well. Zero coverage, meaning they're bringing the heat. It's really great to see somebody with film show you, well, this guy's here, this guy's here, Russ has to pick this up, bum, 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 bum. And they brought it a couple of other times. One time when they did get to him, and he hucked it up, and Cortland Sutton just cut his route off and needed to finish it a little bit better. 
But what was really cool, KJ, man, I'm giving your your guy a lot of credit here, James Merrillad. Hope you all paying attention. <clears throat> We're listening. They quickly because he's a Hall future Hall of Famer, right? Russ. Yeah, okay. I would imagine so. Yeah, he recognizes the situation. They go to the same type of coverage. Judy puts on a you know a world class move, breaks an it. He broke no. You have some problems with that? Let me I just let me just yeah, finish, and you yeah. can disagree. Matt's about to disagree, y'all. And he recognizes it and just zips it right into it. And if you watch it on the All-22, boy, does it look like smooth as silk. And this is going to Judy immediately after Judy drops what could have possibly be a touchdown. And that was a really nice play by Russ, too, getting out of the pocket and finding Judy. And he just easily tossed it to him. And like we've seen in practice, Judy has had some problems catching every pass. But almost immediately in practice, Matt, almost immediately, Judy comes back and makes a good catch almost immediately after he drops the ball in practice. And he did the same exact thing. Yeah, he just had his eyes upfield, right? He was more focused on who was in front of him. Was he going to have to take a hit rather than securing the football? And it very well could have been a touchdown. I'm going to give you a little pushback. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about how great the route was. I thought there were two times when the field conditions really popped up. Now, there were some guys slipping. But the interception by Isang Bassi, the receiver fell down, and he was right there, which, you know, he slipped and fell down. And yeah. the second one, I thought the plant step was 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 just a complete, you know, tire blown out by, by the DB there. And he was already playing off coverage. In the NFL, that's just about as wide open as you're ever going to get. Mm-hmm. So good play by Judy. I'm glad he made up for it. But at the same time, out of all the Broncos receivers, he's probably the one that I'm most concerned about because they just picked up his fifth-year option. He still needs to prove that he can earn the big money, and his camp hasn't been great. Like, he should have had a better camp this year, especially after Patrick went down. This is a guy I expected to step it up. At this point, building off of what he did at the end of last year, DMAC, he hasn't brought it like I would have hoped that we would have seen from Jerry Judy this year. Well, I will put a gentleman's wager with you, Matthew Smith, that okay. – uh, Judy will have over 1,200 yards of receiving. Do not know how many catches that'll be, but it'll be a lot. And my guess is he will have eight touchdowns. So you're not concerned by what you've seen out of him in training camp? Not at all. Because every single time there's been a misstep, every single time there's been a play on top of it that's like, oh, here you go. Now, how do you get rid of the missteps? Yeah, okay, let's get rid of those, uh, uh, you know, as soon as we can. But it's, it's the way he's been able, Judy, to not hang his head and to, you know, well, turn it. Well, I, that's what I've seen. That's what I've seen. Okay. He wears his emotions on his sleeve, Jerry Judy. Bye, when bye, things bye. aren't going well, it's pretty clear. In camp, I've seen a few different times. And, and we can go back throughout the last few seasons and seen that. I like to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, too. But I, I'm a little pushback there. Just a little. I think Russ had a really good game overall. I think you got to just get past the terrible first three and out. I think you just got to get over that. And the bigger issue the Broncos have right now, right now, isn't Russell Wilson. It is an offensive line that looks bad. You know, it's worrisome. And I, I thought, like, oh, man, Jared Sidham is, like, terrible. And he wasn't great, but I went back and watched the game. And I was like, holy cow. He's this, under duress, uh, man. Man, and then the, the, the stats came out from Warren Sharp about pressure on quarterbacks, and Russ is one and Sidham's three. So the biggest issue that I can see from this game actually isn't Russ. I'm not saying Russ is, you know, spectacular as Patrick Mahomes or on that level. 
but he's he's good enough. I mean, he is good enough to move the ball down the field. And I think he's. I think they're 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 learning from mistakes and getting better much quick quicker because Sean Payton's a far superior coach than Nathaniel Hackett. That's a really important point you just brought up. We saw mid game adjustments that were successful. Yeah. For the first time, you know, for for a Broncos team, DMAC in a long time, the fact that they were able to make the progressions from the second and third drive, and and I know you call it the punishment drive, but to me, what have the Broncos earned? Have they earned the right to sit on the sideline and just take it easy? I would much rather them use this time in the preseason to callous this offense, to understand the system, to develop some execution, because it is a miracle that they didn't get blown out in Seattle last year. If you really, I thought about that while I was watching a game on Friday. I said, can you believe that they opted not to do this last year? That that was a willing choice that they made not to prepare and the fact that it wasn't even worse than it was in Seattle Week 1, that's impressive, D-Mag. It is. Our analysis of Trading Camp 2023 is presented by Great Range Premium Bison. Here's a, here's a hot take for you, Matt, on a Monday. The Broncos' second preseason game was a disaster oh. against Buffalo. <laughs> There's no way the game against the 49ers no chance. is going to be a disaster. I don't know if they're going to win, lose. I mean, I don't really care. But look how... Now, it's not maybe going to be spectacular. And I did think they were going to put 30 up. I heard you. I I, I heard you. Your guy, Danucci, huh? Your Uh, guy. Well, my guy, Danucci, was better than Stidham. Sure. And, you know, listen, man, I wasn't that far away from it because the Broncos arguably, how many field goals they missed? Three? So they missed three field goals. Yeah. Right? Three field goals. Two miss, one block. Yeah. Okay, so they missed three. That's nine points. Sure. Okay? Yeah. They scored uh, 17 you know, I wasn't. I'm not nuts on this. You know, they they should have had 26 points. Yeah, I guess those were all makeable field goals. Absolutely, all three of those field goals. And and the one, the one that was the toughest one, they made, not missed the 55 yarder. That was the hardest one of the night. The exciting news for both of those guys, and Maher and for Fry, is that I I drove past the car wash and they're hiring. So if things don't go much better. You know, at least there's there's ample employment opportunities out there. Our analysis of Training Camp 2023 presented by Great Range Premium Bison. Okay, your reaction to what was happening. We'll hear from Sean Payton today from what he thought mattered after watching the film. That's next. It's Training Camp 2023. Great Range Premium Bison presents The Drive. Hey, it's C-Mac with uh, Matt Smith, KJ, rolling with you. We've got the game on uh, NFL Network. We're just watching a replay. I sort of forgot about this, uh, what went into this particular drive. We'll get to it in a second because it's uh, worth noting. Also worth noting, um, the tragedy, the heartbreaking tragedy in Maui. Uh, man, this is just something, sadly, we are all too familiar with here in Colorado. And our company, Bonneville, has launched a fundraiser to help the folks of Maui. Head to denversports.com. And to the top of the page, you'll see a link to the Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund. 100% of donations will go to the Hawaii Community Foundation serving Maui. Again, that's Maui, Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund at denversports.com. So this drive that we're, we're looking at was with Stidham, where they got to the 19-yard line. And boy, were things looking really, really good. This is another one where you're like, man, you got to cash in here. 
And then what was it, Matt? A couple of holding calls? Back-to-back holding penalties. It put you in second and 10 to second and 30, DMAC, which is why we talked about all offseason about the baseline of expectation for improvement with this team. This is the type of stuff they did last year that really killed them. They were tied for third in the league with penalties, fourth in the league pre-snap, but when you have these procedural issues, you absolutely kill drives and kill your momentum. You're absolutely right. Because what play do you have for third and 30? You don't. Well, this, yeah, uh, well, third and 24, but, you know, I mean, it's going to be bad. What, 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 the only thing you would hope to do here, they're only at the 30, 34 yard line, so it's not like they're not range. Ah, uh, see, that's where Stidham, you can't do that. You cannot get the ball deflected on a little screen. You got to figure that out. And so I think you, you got to get, get around yeah, that. I think you get into the conversation here about quality depth. And you brought it up in the last segment about the Buffalo game last year. The Broncos lost 42 to 15 and got absolutely demoralized. They couldn't do anything. Oh my God. I mean, every run play, every pass, I think combined, Buffalo's quarterbacks were 26 of 29 in that game, D-Mac. All right, I'll tell you what the Muggles were talking about on the Hill today, Matt, during practice. And, and today's practice was unpadded. It was, you know, um, and this is where my. <laughs> Just gotta get the ball up in the air, bro. Can't, yeah, man, he's got he's. You can't trust Mar on the broadcast. Levy and Harris, he's yippee, man. Le, Le, uh, Levy and Harris were like, "Well, maybe there was a bad snap." And I watched it live, and I was like, "No, he just didn't hit that right at all." No, I mean it got deflected, but it got deflected because you, you hit low. a. Yeah, bro, you got a not a one iron. Got to use a wedge there, my man. So that that is that is that is like a completely wasted drive, and that was the third field goal they had missed, correct? Yeah, because he had missed one. Yeah, and Fry had missed one, and Fry did hit one. Mm-hmm. I don't give me a justification why either of these guys are still here today. I, I'm not sure. They but kick well in practice. It costs you nothing to bring guys in for tryouts. And you know what? If I were Sean Payton, yeah. I'd do it anyway just to fire these two up. But, but you know what? You don't need you, you for for kicking. You actually don't need them here for tryouts. You have Fine. you have every single so let's do it preseason game. I and, hope and they're I'm, doing. I'm it. sure they are looking at them. I'm sure they are looking at it. Okay. I just don't. I don't know how you can trust Maher to be consistent. Period. Based on this and last year, and it is tough on this young man. Because I'm telling you, out of practice, the guy drills him. He drills him uh, every single day. I refuse to actually give in and say, yeah, it had something to do with the field. But there was a texter earlier that brought up, have you ever tried kicking on bad field conditions? And Matt Prater did also miss one. Okay. So if you want to excuses like that, 100%. That's what I was just about to say. If you want to make that excuse for one more week, Go ahead and do it. That's your prerogative. Well, but my eyes are telling me what they told me when you signed Brett Maher at 5 o'clock on a Friday during the offseason. Wait, wasn't this the guy that missed four extra points in a row? Yeah, he's not shaking that, man. That doesn't you, – you you always have that in the back of your mind. It's just the the risk in getting rid of, of McManus. I mean, I get it. I guess you didn't like him. He had too much personality for you. I guess he was 10 of 10 from 40 to 49 last year. His percentage wasn't great from 50 plus, but they don't break down 50 plus. It, in my opinion, it should be 50 to 55 and then 56 plus, you know, because the, those shouldn't count against you as as much as, you know, 40 to 53, 54. And in my opinion, the educated, Bron- the, the, the educated Broncos fan understands that 
their long snapper and their holder has changed every single year. And last year, those issues were extremely prevalent, as were the coaching and the amount of, I mean, 46 left hash, and the amount of times that there were delay of games. On, I mean, we saw it in the Houston game. There were procedural errors. It wasn't all on McManus. And I think, I, I, I do believe that Broncos country as a collective understands that and would have been willing to give him the benefit of the doubt of one bad year amidst a decade of consistency. I, I, I thought they would, but Sean Payton didn't. All right, let's get to, uh, we'll have um, our guy Andrew Mason coming here at uh, after 5 o'clock. We look forward to seeing Mace here and go over um, more parts of the game and get your, more of your reaction. To, so the Zoakley show is killing killing these guys today, huh? You know, right? they were upset. They were upset today. I, I, was, I was a little surprised that they were as harsh as they were. I mean, they were just very adamant that it looked bad. All right, so here's what we have, I think, on the station today. Correct me if I'm wrong. We got the, uh, the the morning guys and Mark's. Yeah, know, how were they today? I didn't catch I their they show. Were, you know, like, hey, man, it was all right. You know, it was cool. Like, yeah. I think they were having some of somewhat of a similar reaction to what we're doing here today. Mm-hmm. James was like overjoyed. James is James. James, the degree of euphoria James Marilette has is kind of in this. Uh, well, he was contrasted nicely by Dan, who is, you know, down in the dumps as, as he could possibly get. <laughs> okay. All right. They had, they bickered nicely for 20 minutes today. They and, so, and so we got the Zoakley show, and they're, they're in the dumps a little bit, huh? I thought so. I thought so. And then a little bit more of a measured approach uh, here in the afternoon. Well, I mean, what, do you, what else do you expect from us? You know, two <laughs> level-headed gentlemen right here. Well, I'll tell you this. I definitely was more emotional Right after the game, we did the post uh, show game uh, with uh, what was that? Cecil. Try that one again, really seriously mm. uh, on denversports.com, myself and Cecil. And that was late on a Friday night, Matt. You guys did great. I listened, I was entertained. Both of us laser focused. I felt a lot of like frustration and anger and all that sort of stuff immediately afterwards because you can't really break things down and look at things again. But when I looked at things again, I really did. Oh boy, I keep bringing this guy's name up, JT O'Sullivan. That's it, right? O'Sullivan, yep. yeah, yeah. Really good channel. He could be Brandon Stokely's cousin, by the way. Have wow. you seen him? What is that? I mean, mean, they look very similar, these two guys. Handsome fella. I'm just saying. Okay. Just saying. It was really helpful to watch him break it down, all 22, you know, circles and X's and squares and lines and squiggly and this, that, the other thing. And so when I watched that, I was like, oh, okay, all right. And he, it wasn't all like good news. He pointed out when things were bad and Russ has to be better in, in certain situations. But he also pointed out, especially on that throw um, into the end zone, that looked really bad. That a lot of people are saying, oh, he should have hit Dulcich underneath. And, you know, but he really pointed out, hey, Sutton's got to be better here. Sutton's got to beat his guy, can't give up on the route, and he's got to make it a more competitive sort of throw. I thought he was being a little nitpicky there, to be honest with you. But I think to go back to, you know, what we were talking about as far as the different perspectives on our station, I think it, it, it kind of goes back to what, what lens are you viewing the preseason under? Did your expectations change, DMAC, after you saw training camp a few days? Like, did you have one set of expectations heading into camp, and then after seeing what we saw, maybe seeing some of these offensive struggles, did they change at all? It's, it felt like the same thing I've been watching out at camp day in and day out, that game. It really did. I, I really felt like, okay. I'm talking about before camp. Did you have one set of expectations, like when we went through the schedule no. and you picked your wins, did it change based upon what you saw at camp? Because no. it did for me. Really? Yes. I've actually been more impressed. The the one thing I've been even more impressed than I thought I would be, so I guess maybe it has changed. Sean Payton. 
Like, I, I, you know, it got off to a rocky start with that USA Today thing. I mean, that wasn't great because it was so, like, hypocritical and contradictory to what he had espoused. But let's just get past that because that's was... also not football related, right? I mean, that's more off the yeah, field stuff. Yeah, I well, you know, I just didn't know, is this going to seep into some other sure. stuff? But I'm willing to throw that. I mean, hey, man, it was a mistake. You got caught up with the dude that you knew. You weren't being dishonest. You were probably just being a little bit too honest. And frankly, what did he say to Jared Bell that we didn't all think or say? He didn't lie. No, he didn't lie at all. It just was like it broke the code. It upset some feathers, you know, all that sort of stuff. A little bit of that. And we'll see if that really does make a difference or based on the Jets preseason, I mean, they're not fired up. They're not. It's not making them any better. We'll see what happens on uh, Hard Knocks Part 2. I don't know how they're. It's not great. With the Jets. All right, anyways, so I really love what Sean Payton's been doing. I love how methodical he's been putting things in. I love how everything makes sense. I love how he was really thinking about the end of the game. And even though it didn't go their way, he was really breaking it down and it all came together. So I I guess it's changed. What hasn't changed, unfortunately, and, and this has nothing to do with Sean Payton. The depth on this team stinks. Mm. And the depth on this team stinks because you've been going without draft picks for a quarterback and a coach. So you haven't been able to develop the depth that you needed. And you just are trying to fill holes in free agency, which is dangerous. So you got a lot of high priced guys and not a lot of quality behind them. And if those high priced guys don't work out, yeah, I mean, gosh, you know, if McGlinchey doesn't work out, if Bowles really isn't worth it, if Powers isn't worth it, man, you got some problems here because you don't have any easy answers behind these guys. D-Mac, you have some real problems. Here, here's how my expectations changed. When we came out, or excuse me, when the schedule came out and we did our exercise going through the schedule, I ended up with the very first time we did it, I ended up with 10 wins. And I felt sick to my stomach because I said 10 wins? That's double what you had last year. I mean, compared to what we've seen the last seven years, how in the world do they get there? Oh, we could go through that exercise again right now. You you want to do that? In a minute. kind of fun. Yeah, in a second. We can, actually. I think it'd be great. All right. But after getting out to training camp, those expectations changed. I thought that the range for the Broncos, their floor heading into camp was about seven wins, and their ceiling was probably about 10. Then after seeing what I saw at camp, it changed. It changed and reverted back to what we saw last season, where I believe their floor is about five, and their ceiling was about seven based oh. upon the first week of camp. All right, well, let's figure it out. Um, Lincoln, yeah, my man, I love it. Our training camp coverage brought you in part by Lincoln Tech. Put your potential to work. 